Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. All right. Well, welcome, welcome to all uh, who are listening. It's great to have you. Uh, I'm Murray. This is Mitch. Uh, hello, everyone. What a, what a joy to uh, be here with you. Mate, thank you for uh, the teaching yesterday. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's it kind of on. exciting to get into the story of Jesus and, and John's birth. Yeah, <laughs> this is like my bread and butter, starting to yeah? Like, yeah, teach. Yeah, it's very like, cool. Gets me excited. Very good. Gets me out of bed every morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, speaking of what got you out of bed, what was mm. what was getting out of you out of bed outside of church on on the weekend? What were you kind of getting up to? What was oh, the yeah. uh, the weekend like mm. for you? So, I had my nephew's fifth birthday party. Oh, okay. Which was, you know, nice thing. Uh, superheroes, classic. So, Can't go wrong. Yeah, all yeah. the little kitties were dressed up in superhero costumes. Only little kids, no Spider-Man outfit for Mitch. Or? No, no, I didn't. I think I, I was saying to my mom, I was like, I think I'm actually starting to mature. I'm sort of getting a bit over superheroes. When I started Bible college, I was renowned for wearing like a different superhero shirt like every day. Ah, it's like my thing. Okay. I don't think I have like any of them anymore. I've got rid of them over the yeah. years. Is just, Batman your go-to superhero? Uh, I just yeah, know you have Batman yeah, socks. Yeah, kind of. I don't know. A bit over Batman. Okay. I feel like his whole philosophy is a bit dumb. Ooh, okay. Well, let's, he just I want it, let's go there let's for a second. His whole uh, philosophy is a bit dumb. Well, he won't kill people. And like there's times oh, okay. it's like, yeah, like if you just like killed the Joker, mm. you would solve a lot of Gotham's mm. problems. It's very Christ-like of you, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Dressing up as a bat and beating people up is a very Christ-like <laughs> full stop. Touche, touche. Yeah, touche. <laughs> yeah, like if you don't um, go to like, that, you know. Maybe if Bruce Wayne stopped like just, you know, hoarding all that money yeah, and just right. invested into the Gotham police department. That's what they need. You know, <laughs> stop making it about you, Batman. Yeah, I know. I just I remember just watching one movie and I was like, yeah, this whole thing just is dumb. It's just a repeat of like you just beat up the Joker, chuck him back into Arkham Asylum, like rinse, wash, and repeat. I was like, oh. Uh, and I think I got the best superhero fatigue after like the Marvel movies. Oh, I think like, as everyone does. I watched Endgame and that's pretty much been the last. Yeah. Marvel Would you say movie. that was the end game for you of superheroes? It was, yeah, of course, actually. <laughs> so you heard it here first, guys. Yeah. Your pastor, Mitch Levingston, is pro-death penalty. There you <laughs> go. All right, there we go. <laughs> Juicy scoop and banter. So who is your favourite superhero then? Who has oh. a who has a better philosophy for their crime-fighting vigilantes? Uh, probably Superman. Superman? He's, yeah, okay. Actually, Superman has a very interesting history. So he was started by two Jewish yeah. um guys and even his like Krypton and Kalel is Hebrew it's like ah. voice of God or something because L means God and yeah. Kal's like voice of God yeah, or yeah, something yeah. and so he was actually written in a time when people were very oppressed and so Superman like the original comics in the 20s often fought like corruption he wasn't fighting cosmic mm. like like enemies he was fighting yeah. like corrupt landlords and <laughs> Yeah, like it was. So what's his name? Jerry Schuster and I can't remember the other guy, but they kind of wrote it as a hero for the people, like yeah. a man that can't be stopped, that can yeah. lift us from the oppression that we're yeah. facing. Yeah. And so, yeah. truth, justice, and the American way. That's yeah. what Superman fights for. Fascinating. Mm. So, how did you feel? Was it um, Snyder who made um, Superman kill people? No, I was pretty upset. Yeah, I was like, that dumb Superman doesn't kill people. I'm just impressed I got that reference correct. Yeah, to be <laughs> so, yeah okay, cool. Yeah. So did you feel like that contradicted I his did, philosophy? I did, actually, yeah. yeah he okay. was like... Well, Superman fights different enemies. And so they're ones mm. that can go... He's not fighting a Joker who's like 
mass psychotic. He fights like yeah. interdimensional beings and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, fair. Mm. Yeah, I, I've um, look. I, I don't think I'm as into superheroes as you are. I've got this weird thing where like I'm kind of a want want to be geek sometimes. Yeah, okay. Like I feel like I I want to be more into those things, but I just don't have the stamina for it. Like I just um, you know start reading a comic book or start like watching and even when i was like younger like i just i don't know just too much i I couldn't stick with it but green lantern always was very appealing because he's like an artist who lives in a lighthouse who like uses his like imagination yeah i'm like i like that that's cool and uh yeah like i think the flash and green lantern they're both like generational superheroes like passes on to the sun or whatever yeah so there you go well look if we have anyone still listening (laughs) that's that's, uh but like i think um interesting to speak about intergenerational stuff Mm. because that's kind of like what we're going with luke's first kind of infant narrative Mm. in in luke um i wanted to first open up Mm. with luke is um is he the only um of the four gospel writers who is writing to a specific person and makes that clear at the yeah. start of his... So, Theophilus, yeah. so friend of God. See, we... I thought it meant God lover. Because uh, like, okay, I think it can be both. Yeah, okay, yeah, friend of yeah. God, God lover. Like, yeah. philo can mean love, friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah lover yeah, of God, yeah. friend of God. Yeah, yeah, it depends yeah. on, like, <clears throat> what definition you Google. Close with God. Yeah, close <laughs> with God. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so we don't really know whether he was, like, a Jew or mm. God-fearer. And a God-fearer is a Gentile who like follow like feared God but mm. obviously wasn't circumcised didn't didn't go the whole hog so to speak like they were only allowed in that like court of the Gentiles like the Ethiopian eunuch yeah. in Acts yeah. so he would have been a guy who was a yeah. God fearer okay so he's allowed this is where you're allowed yeah. and you can kind of experience Yahweh from yeah. a distance but you're not yeah. a Jew because I found a really interesting tension in what you said mm. uh, and I don't I don't disagree with what you mm. said but it was just I have kind of always been taught that out of the four gospels Luke is the most sort of Gentile leaning would that be fair to say? that is fair to say but okay. also not yeah because yeah. this is the thing right yeah. so um, the common narrative that I have always mm. been told is that Theophilus probably a gentile yeah. not definitely not a jew yeah. um in the sort of um yeah sense of being a jew and yeah, being yeah, yeah. you know born into the bloodline of abraham um but um you kind of made this statement that luke was assuming theophilus to have an old testament knowledge mm. let's unpack that yeah he's yeah. a he's a gentile mm. <laughs> and yet because you know a, a classic example you've already brought up the ethiopian eunuch who yeah. you know is reading Isaiah. It doesn't understand it. Mm. Um, so there's this interesting tension of Luke's writing to mm. a Gentile, but there is this assumption or expectation of Old Testament yeah. knowledge. What's going because, on here? Yeah, because I, I like. Let me pull up Luke chapter one. Yeah, because um, it, it seems to it seems to be Luke. There's a number of what we would call gospels, and I say that in inverted commas because Luke talks about. Come on, internet, there we go. Luke chapter 1. So he says, Many have f- undertaken to drop an account of the things yeah. that have been fulfilled among us. So clearly there's lots of like either writings or teachings. Yes, about Jesus' life. Yeah, yeah. Just as they were handed down to us but by those who were from the first eyewitness, the first eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, and I too decided to write an orderly account mm. for you, most excellent philosopher. Theophilus, 
uh, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Mm. Uh, yeah, this is a two-part lit, like book for this guy, Theophilus. Mm. And so why uh, this book I was reading, which is the birth of... Uh, uh, the birth of the Lucan narrative, narrative as Christology in Luke 1 to 2. That's a bit of a mouthful. Yeah, can you say that one more time? Yeah, I, so I, I, the, I blacked out halfway through. <laughs> the birth of the Lucan narrative, narrative as Christology in Luke 1 to 2. Yeah. So this guy, Mark Coleridge, he argues that, well, the way Luke just jumps straight into his Old Testament themes, like even the beginning in the time of King Herod of Judah, that's how like most Old Testament narratives start. Like he's sure. deliberately framed this, yeah. and just all the allusions back to Old Testament. Mm. Um, he he argues that is that as the reader, you're privy to knowledge that the characters don't know. Sure. And so he's saying as you as you're reading along, you're meant to go, oh, okay, Zachariah and Elizabeth, they're righteous and barren and oh, old and well. old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Okay, they're a new Abraham and Sarah. Yeah, Elizabeth's like a new Hannah. Uh, she's like um, Manoah, Manoah, uh, Samson's mother's. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's unnamed. Um, like a Ra- like a Rachel. Like you meant to think back of all these yeah. barren matriarchs in Israel and go, oh, okay, we know what God's gonna do. Yeah, yeah. And he's saying like, well, as as the reader, we we have that insight. Mm. We know what's gonna happen. The characters don't know at the time. They're kind of yeah, left yeah. in the dark. But yeah. so we're meant to look back. And, it's, and put together all these scenes of how God's operated in the past yes. and how he's going to work in the future. So we, we see events in the past are setting up the trajectory for what will happen mm. in the future, mm. if that makes sense. And yeah. so, yeah, actually Coleridge argues that this is not a narrative for beginners. He's saying, like, this is written for people that were a person or whatever, you, how you want to sort of see Luke wrote it, if it was for one person or for many but it's meant to be the idea is that you kind of know the Old Testament before jumping into this. Mm. So you're meant to pick up on these themes. And sure. And yeah, something that we've, I think, mentioned before, but it, there is an interesting thing with this idea of Theophilus where it could mm. be a specific person and their name, or it yep. could be to you, like yeah, a yeah. friend of God. Like yep. it could be t- a third person title, or yeah. it could be a first person title, which yeah, is just or, interesting. Or, as a or it's note. like, yeah, dedicated to him, but meant for. Sure. Us. Anyway, a knowledge yeah, that's, that more yeah. people are going to read it. Sorry, but, um, I just think it's an interesting yeah, little oh, tidbit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, I had a point. That oh, was I'm sorry. Be no, no, no. That was going to be deep and profound, and you know, it's so deep and profound. I forgot. I, what I've it was. robbed the listeners uh, of a deep and profound. Um, uh, well, one thing that could be mm. interesting to talk about is we were. Um, well, you spoke about this mm. idea of um, Elizabeth's. Um, yeah, I suppose inability to conceive her barrenness mm. um, to a Jewish audience would have been perceived as something that she deserved through being yeah. unrighteous or something. Yeah. But then I was kind of quite struck with the idea that the pattern that mm. I sort yeah, of yeah. have observed mm. throughout the Old Testament is the women who are barren um, and then do fall pregnant yeah. are actually seen as very righteous yeah. people. Um, where would have this sort of Old yeah. Testament expectation that if you're mm. barren, it's something that God's sort of justice for mm. your unrighteousness has been yeah. placed on you? Yeah, and so I think some of it is tied in around Deuteronomy 28, okay. which is, gives the covenant blessing and the covenant curses. And mm. so the curses begin, you know, however you do not obey the Lord your God, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, you'll be cursed in the city. Your basket and your kneading trail will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed. Crops of your lamb and just goes on. And so, and the, yeah, it, 
something tied a little bit into that is this idea, even though like this idea of barrenness was seen as like, oh, that's what, how God uses it. There's still a deep shame. And Elizabeth mm. says that in her praise. I have it here. Written down and say, you know, my Lord has done this for me. Um, in these days, he's shown his favor and taken away, taken away my disgrace among the people. Mm. So like barrenness is seen as something disgraceful. Yeah. I don't even know. I think, again, this ties into the whole, as the reader, we are privy to knowledge that Zachariah and Elizabeth wouldn't mm. be. So they're, they're, yeah. they're just thinking like, okay, like where is God in this? Well, obviously, obviously they're praying about it because Gabriel says, hey, your prayers have mm. been answered. They've been heard. Mm. It's just taken a very, very long time mm. for it to happen. So there's yeah. this, yeah, there'd be this constant tension for them, this yeah. shame about the community and like that shame being lifted. It's, mm. it's just something we just can't comprehend how... Yeah, childlessness was just so horrible mm. to the ancients. Yeah, I think it's some, something that probably people in a modern context still internalise. Probably, um, yeah. But it's definitely not culturally seen as, you know, something to judge someone for no. anymore. But, yeah, no. I think, you know, it can be a very painful thing. I think mm. that, interestingly, um, that idea that even beyond or, you know, going even further back past the Abraham and Sarah narrative, this idea of, you know, the original curse of Eve sort of struggling to, you know, conceive mm. is what I know I've heard like Tim Mackey say that this idea of like you will experience great pains during childbirth may be a better translation by his assertion and he's someone who studies mm -hmm. Hebrew so <laughs> he's got some yeah, weight yeah, behind yeah. him uh, is saying actually to conceive rather than to actually give birth. Yeah. Uh, and this idea of barrenness kind of comes all the way back mm. to the original sort of curse yeah. out of the garden. Yeah, and that's sort of how I had read that too before hearing what, what Mackie was saying was mm. the childbirth pain in childbirth not just the 11th hour of childbirth but the whole yeah, process and yeah. just see that in Genesis the women who struggle with yeah, being barren Sarah and using the ancient IVF forms of getting a maid certain <laughs> through Hagar or Rachel um, and Leah too they both do that and that's yeah that tension throughout scripture of these women who desperately just want to have children yeah for sure that's how God yeah, intervenes mm. in that, but mm. um, but it's interesting too. At the same time, um, that that the the barren matriarchs were seen almost as living parables mm. of Israel's experience, mm. and so yeah, I guess that's with scripture. There's always a bit of tension, like with these things. So how people saw, so obviously Elizabeth and Zachariah see disgrace for not having a child mm. but at the same time too Israel, the Israelites could look back on their history and be like oh well our matriarchs like us we are like the virgin daughter yeah. Israel and yeah, we're yeah. the ones who were barren and so by mm -hmm. yeah in Isaiah chapter 49 I'll pull up it, it talks about that kind of idea of like oh well you know Israel you, you've been barren but don't worry it won't be for much longer and mm. so that's another image Luke is riffing off is that now that this woman who is barren is about to have a child. It's a sign that Israel's fortunes are being reversed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think I may have found the passage here. Oh, yeah, um, Isaiah forty nine nine B. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the yeah, second yeah, part yeah, of this yeah. one. Uh, they will feed beside the roads and find pasture on every barren hill. 
They will neither hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat down on them. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. Mm. Um, yeah, so obviously this idea of something which is currently barren <laughs> yeah. um, being restored and a yeah, restoration of, of Israel, sort mm. of being shown in a maybe living parable mm. of these women who are likewise... Yeah, have a have a womb which is going to be brought back to life in a way. Or, yeah, and what's really cool is that tied in with that Abraham and Sarah imagery is that Abraham and Sarah's um, yeah birth, their son Isaac is not just for them. It's not just to remove mm. their disgrace. It's actually to bless the whole world. Mm. And so, in a similar way with that imagery, Zachariah and Elizabeth's son John isn't mm. just okay. My disgrace is removed. I'm sort of got a son. It's actually mm. to be a blessing upon yeah. all of Israel. And yeah. that's yeah, that's an Im- that's what um yeah, Coleridge he he notes that a little bit too with um when Zachariah's in the temple and it says all the multitude out praying, it's like well clearly not all, not all Israel was out there. He's saying it's kind of a way of subtly saying that's what Luke does. The multitudes will sort of start to get more knowledge. It's almost mm. a way of saying this is the beginning of how Israel mm. as a whole is being blessed. Mm. That starts with the arrival of John, and so yeah. for what one couple is just their disgrace being removed. Also, yeah, it's more important. It's actually all of Israel's disgrace yeah, being yeah, yeah. removed. Yeah, so Which all the people so cool. can be blessed. Yeah, and I, I like. Again, we've spoken about this before, but I just mm. think that idea of that Abrahamic covenant of you will be blessed so you can be a blessing. Yeah. It's such a like, great holistic way to look at God's mm. blessing, I think. Because ultimately, mm. like, yeah, um, we are always wanting to be wary of falling into like a prosperity mindset. Mm. But at the same time, like, we do worship a God who does bless, but it's beyond just our own sort of physical comfort or material, I don't know, <laughs> ability yeah. to just like have be surrounded by lots of glittery things it's the idea that that then pours out you know mm. into the world which i love um you also sort of made this really interesting illusion that um john um quite a few times but mm. in this passage in in luke is referred to the, the promise of an elijah mm. um and then what that sort of means then again like for people to read he will be an elijah you need an old testament context of knowing what else is happening in that yeah. story and continue so, do you want to speak about yeah. what that means for a jesus yeah he's the so, elijah. so elijah was called in the time when king ahab was king of israel mm-hmm. and he's very very wicked king married to jezebel mm-hmm. and my irony is jezebel is a baal worshiper or ahab too and baal is the storm god Mm. And what does um, Elijah do when he comes on the scene? Hey, it's not going to be rain for three mm. years. That's like, haha, you know, Baal, you think you're the storm god, the rain god? Yeah. Yahweh can shut up the clouds. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And then all he, like, Elijah lives with the ravens, is fed, then he moves into a town, which ironically is the hometown of Jezebel, which is the site of, like, Baal worship. And it's yeah, all, yeah. like, these kind of images riffing off, like, Baal's just powerless. And here's yeah. Elijah, true Yahweh, blessing this widow. and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Elijah kills the prophets of Baal, 400 of them. Yeah. It's a big encounter. And yeah, it's pretty cool where they try to offer the sacrifices. He's there yeah. mocking them, saying, hey, you know, cut yourself more. Maybe he's asleep. Shout yeah, louder. Yeah, and then he yeah. gets like the sacrifice. They're pouring water. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was sort of Elijah. And he was, I guess, the template for like the prof- like prophets. Yeah. He did remarkable miracles. He yeah. Also suffered a lot tremendously. He really suffered from what we'd call depression today. When he, after his big victory, he runs away and yeah. hides in the cave, and so, but he, so he was like the benchmarks of prophets. 
and there was this expectation in Malachi. So Malachi 4, 5, and 6 says it's at the end of the book and it ties in well in the Christian Bible at least. It's because Malachi is the last book Mm -hmm. in the Old Testament. This is the last words you read in the Old Testament Mm. version. It says, See, I'll send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents or else I'll come and strike the land with total destruction. Mm. That's how it ends and then you read Matthew and it's... And, and so what, um, what Malachi is talking about is Elijah is going to come. And, and this is some of the words Gabriel riffs off, turning the hearts of the parents of the children, is that there would be this future Elijah who would come mm-hmm. and he would, in a sense, prepare people to turn back. And so here he's talking about the hearts of the parents and children. Gabriel broadens it, say, all of Israel. He's mm-hmm. going to prepare Israel. And so he merge, he's merging sort of a few different passages so another one from Isaiah 40 a voice of one calling in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord make straight in the desert a highway for our God Mm -hmm. then Malachi 3.1 he says I'll send my messenger who will prepare the way before me then suddenly the Lord you're seeking will come in his temple and so he's it's like Gabriel's merging these sort of three passages into Mm -hmm. one this expectation of a future Elijah to come who -hmm. will prepare for the Lord's arrival and so if they're is an Elijah, there must be an Elisha. Sure. And that's, uh, and like, it's very, very subtle. Mm. But like the assumption that Luke's kind of making and, and tied in with like John starting first, like the older, younger son, Elijah, Elisha imagery, the yeah. one who comes before is traditionally the superior one. The yeah. one after is inferior, but the Bible yeah. reverses that. Yeah. Oftentimes Cain and Abel, it's yeah. Abel who's honored over Cain. Yeah. Ishmael and Isaac. Isaac yeah. is elevated over Ishmael mm. um, Reuben is the oldest of Jacob's yeah 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 but actually it ends up being Judah who's yeah, the yeah, chosen yeah. tribe and Joseph yeah. to an extent too so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and like all this yeah. reversal Jacob and Esau that kind yeah, of yeah, yeah 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 no like and again like it's not just sort of this idea of Elijah and Elisha but you know Genesis all yeah. this like this narrative of the two brothers yeah. and now obviously yeah I, that was something which I'd never kind of put together and, before and there um, it wasn't we didn't read it in this week's passage but next week it makes a connection that Elizabeth and Mary are relatives. Mm. So in a sense, Jesus must have Levitical blood in him too, mm. somehow, which I'd never really thought about, but yeah. must be the implication. Somehow Mary and Elizabeth are related. Yeah. And so that means that it's kind of that brother imagery. Yeah, yeah, Ima- yeah. Like so John's sort of the older. Mm. And he says, you know, even John goes, he must increase, I must decrease. Mm. He recognizes that. And so... Mm. So John, so John's role is not necessarily to become Elijah 2.0 and start holding up the mm. heavens, calling droughts down and shooting out lightning yeah, from yeah, yeah. heaven. I think I've said that before. Anytime you read fire from heaven, it's actually lightning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Better translation. <laughs> so, you know, it's not... But it's just that being in the wilderness. <laughs> I mean, look, away. you've made it a bit less fantastical for me, yeah. but makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, um, but yeah, that just that idea is like that's going to be John's role is like Mm. that end time Elijah who's preparing the way for the Lord to come that's what John's going to do yeah very cool very cool Um, I'm just going to like completely Mm. throw a thought out there yeah Yeah. feel free to shut down even like an interesting idea of the um, you know almost scepter for lack of a better word Mm. being passed from the tribe of Levi to the tribe of Judah a little bit like representing those two things which is fascinating well what's interesting so Jesus baptism um, in Matthew's version at least when Jesus rocks up and 
John's like, oh, I can't baptize you. Yeah. You know, I should, you should be baptizing mm. me. And then Jesus' response is, hey, let it be so. So, like, something along the lines of let, let everything be fulfilled or all righteousness yeah, fulfilled. Righteousness, yeah. yeah, and that's kind mm. of, and then John consents. And I was mm. reading some stuff saying, well, what makes John consent when Jesus said that? Mm. And it's kind of tied into that Melchizedek imagery. Mm. And that's what Book of Hebrews unpacks. Mm. It's like he asks the question, like, how, how can we have a priest from, you know, that's not from the tribe of Levi? He goes, well, look back to Melchizedek, Psalm mm. 110. So mm. the, um, John being a Levitical priest means that to be, to be baptized as a priest, you had to be baptized mm. by another priest. Mm. So in order to be ordained at the age of 30, mm. you would go into the temple and you'd be bathed by another priest and you'd start service. And so in a sense, by John baptizing Jesus, who is a Le- like John the Levite mm. baptizing Jesus from Judah? He's mm. baptizing Jesus into the priesthood of Melchizedek. So, yeah. very cool. It's oh, scripture is very very <laughs> dense when you start to unpack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, no, awesome. Yeah, you got to be a bit of a Bible nerd to get. Because like I said yesterday, actually, I riffed that line off Tim Mackey. I think it's he who said it. Bible's simple but not simplistic yeah yeah because you can teach a child this stuff but yeah, yeah, yeah. as you start to delve deep you're like wow there's yeah. a lot of themes and images that yeah are, are well i think i think that's like a beautiful thing to remember isn't it that uh, no matter how far along we are in our faith and how far yeah. along we are in our bible knowledge there's always new things to be discovering yeah. new things to be learning um yeah i definitely think that we can be a bit guilty of treating the bible as one and done you know, yeah 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 I, I read the book of mark when i was 14 like I'm, yeah. i've been there and done, done that you know yeah. that to come back to it meditate on it yeah reveal new things each time it's mm. very cool mm. um i also kind of want to look at you've got this other idea um that the Gabriel, the, the mm. angel messenger of yes. Gabriel, actually only appears one other time yeah. in, in the Bible. Um, did you want to kind of unpack that yeah, a bit yeah, more? Yeah, so. yeah, the further connections of what that yeah. means. So in, in the book of Daniel, Daniel, obviously, it's a pretty wild book. you got the mm. chapters 1 to 6 are the kind of easy ones. are the Sunday yeah, yeah, school yeah, stories, yeah. you know, Daniel, yeah. Lion's Den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then from chapter 7 to 12, it's his apocalyptic images. Mm. And so... In, in Daniel chapter 9, uh, Daniel is praying and he is visited by Gabriel. Mm. And so uh, in the context, Daniel is praying about um, Jeremiah's 70-year prophecy of being in exile. Mm-hmm. And so to cut a very kind of complex narrative short, it's um, Gabriel's pretty much like, ah, oh, it's not going to be 70 years, but 70 like, 70 weeks or 77 weeks a little bit mm-hmm. confusing translation but basically the, the 70 weeks that Gabriel um, foretells it's God's roadmap for how the world will end mm. and there is no end of debate about mm. <laughs> what that means so yeah, some yeah. see that as like the 70 weeks are happening to like Jesus second coming mm. some would see it as like describing the events between what Daniel saw and the coming of the like the Messiah Jesus mm-hmm. so but the point mm. is, is that Gabriel comes as sort of the end time messenger. Mm. There's 70 weeks, however you see him, it's meant to be talking about the last days. Mm. And, and so it's no accident now that, and, and even how they appear, it's a little bit similar. So when Gabriel first appears to Daniel, it's at the time of prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, Zachariah's offering the incense at mm. the time of prayer. Mm. Both guys are terrified. There's a afraid. They both kind of struggle to talk. Mm. Gabriel's um, not Gabriel Zacharias because Gabriel makes him mute so there's a, kind of a few illusions there you meant to sort of see but the important thing is it's Gabriel like okay here's the end time messenger mm. talking about hey here's you're going to have a son who's going to 
come in the spirit and power of Elijah, mm. i.e. like the last days are coming, the end. And so I meant to see that this is the pivot between mm. the old and the new mm. and there's a fresh beginning. Which mm. And like, for what Daniel's perspective, those were days into the future. Now, okay, those days are here with the coming of John mm. and by extension, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's in Mark chapter 1, Jesus says, the time has come or the time has fulfilled the kingdom of God is here and you're like oh that's what mm-hmm. Daniel was kind of talking about and he mm-hmm. in Daniel 2 when Nebuchadnezzar has the dream of the statue of the gold silver the mm. bronze and the clay and that little stone comes in and knocks down that tower yeah. it's kind of idea of like well that kingdom's mm. and that fourth sort of clay part mm. it's sort of most commentators say it's Rome and mm. Jesus arrives at the time of the Roman Empire and now mm. that little stone that topples that tower is growing into mm. a huge mountain mm. and filling the world and mm. so yeah that's sort of those ideas there it's mm. riffing up that if Gabriel's here to bring an announcement for the mm. end time and then when he appears to Mary even more so like hey you're going to give birth to the son of God not yeah. just a prophet yeah, yeah, yeah. or a special child but mm. God himself mm. uh, that's very very End days, last yeah, days yeah, language. Yeah. So, I mean, what I'm hearing, and totally fair, is mm. that there's some different interpretations on that 70 weeks. There is. Um, we obviously need to take this next little part with a grain of salt <laughs> um, because we are not infallible <laughs> when yes, it comes yes, to, yeah, yeah. you know, the way we interpret scripture yep. all the time. How do you see that 70 um, weeks panning so, out? What do you see it meaning? So, for me, I have, um, so my perspective, and I was shaped by. I've got the article here, a guy called Peter Dent- Gentry, mm-hmm. and he's got an article called Daniel 70 Weeks and the New Exodus. So he argues, and look, the nuances of it are a bit like, uh, but the, basically he argues that the 70 weeks is, ends with Jesus like death. So like okay. this anointed, this Messiah, this anointed figure will be kind of die and the temple will be desecrated and... Mm-hmm. And he say, he kind of argues that, well, that 70 weeks, it kind of correlates sim- closely to like Jesus. Like, so the end of the 70 is Jesus. So that's sort of how I see. Sure. Some so, people would see like at yeah. the 70 weeks ending, like when Jesus arrival, like I kind of see it as ending when like, so let me take a step back. Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah 70 years, the end of the 70 years was the end of the exile. Mm-hmm. Gabriel's saying, no, 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 no. It's kind of going to be more of an exile. There's mm-hmm. a deeper exile. Mm-hmm. An exile is sin. Mm-hmm. It needs to be a problem of sin addressed. And so by the 70 weeks, it's a solution to the exile, i.e. a solution to sin. So Jesus' mm-hmm. death and resurrection is the solution to the true exile that we have with God. So I might be a bit slow here. No, Are that's you right. talking about a literal 70 weeks at the end before Jesus' death? Yeah, that's how I'd say it, like a 490 okay. years. So not so much a... So, yeah, not so much a... So what symbol. what what sort of sees the start of that 70-week countdown to Jesus' crucifixion? Uh, like, so, so generally argues is that the time period is about 490 years, which sort of closely correlates with how... What Daniel's saying. So Jeremiah talks about 70 years, 77. It's like 490 years. It correlates closely with about the time frame of Jesus. So Okay. Look, there's a lot of debate about... Okay. Yeah. Look, these things are not easy. Yeah, 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 sure. Unpack. Okay, cool. Mm. So 70 weeks from your thoughts of representing the time up until Jesus' death, yeah. weeks is maybe a bit um, metaphorical. Yeah. 
kind of saying that period of 70 years it's yeah. going to be a shorter period yeah and then you're what? saying another sort of common interpretation is this idea of the space between when sort of john's john, john the yeah, baptist yeah, yeah. sort of i don't know conception is yeah. announced to zechariah and the point at which jesus is born could have been about 70 weeks yeah about is another that, yeah, interpretation and then there's you're also not a massive like, fan of that yeah interpretation. and then there's one where too that we're in the 70 weeks now and they're going on until jesus returns sure well i probably like the idea of it ending around when jesus death and resurrection and even like even people who have that it, it all disagrees it can get very like bogged down is that a lot of daniel i see it ties in when jesus arrival so we talk about the statue and mm -hmm. the stone coming and toppling it with the yep clay well then daniel in daniel 7 has a vision of um, four beasts coming out of the sea mm -hmm. and then when the fourth beast comes out then we see the son of man coming mm -hmm. and like and then kind of correlates again with those empires babylon greek oh great babylon persia greek and then the romans and yep. that's when the roman empire is there then we see the son of man's mm. arrival yeah and so that, that's how i yeah. see daniel is it's talking yeah. about events between daniel's time and the arrival of the messiah okay. so i just feel like that look and i have to really reread the article it's been about five years since i've yeah, yeah, yeah. looked through no, daniel properly. i'm really grilling you on this yeah yeah I'm yeah, just, yeah i'm just no, intrigued no, by it just, like it's i think I to, yeah like i said i did some study on it about 2018 so i'd need to no, probably no. study scripture you kind of go oh it's really interesting you forget about it yeah but no totally yeah the idea yeah. i say it just i like that idea me of it correlating between the time mm. of Jesus yeah and yeah that's but again like you know even within people that think that they have a disagreement mm -hmm. on what the 60 second week will do and yeah sure yeah, but yeah. I just go ah oh, look I kind of I, I just feel broadly 70 weeks mm. sort of ends around when Jesus death yeah. or resurrection and then we're sort of yeah and then because John talks about having yeah, that the time will be near soon. So mm -hmm. Daniel's kind of like, ah, oh, it's going to happen in the last days. And John sort of picks up on a bit of Daniel's. And he goes, well, actually, it's going to be nearer than that. So sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Uh, um, scripture is very complex. And this is the yeah. fun part of it is that you can yeah. read, there's books out there with different people's yeah. viewpoints. And yeah. Uh, yeah, again, like this stuff, I feel like, yeah, it's interesting, but not super important. Like if you think, sure. nah, I think that 70 weeks is what happened yeah. when Jesus right? Like, okay. Yeah. Cool. And maybe almost what I'm hearing a bit is understanding almost, dare I say, the style of prophecy. That yeah. like 70 weeks doesn't have to be like, okay, like let's get that calendar out yeah, from like first AD yeah, and like let's yeah, and figure out what's out. going on. It seems to be a bit yeah. like more broad brushstroke and... Yeah, yeah, I think that's help I think that's yeah. helpful in of itself and also helpful to think that there are scholars who are very respected oh, uh, dedicate their lives to, to this stuff and don't agree on it. Yeah. And that's okay. And I feel like that's um <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I feel like that's sort of, you know, or part of it is that we just wrestle with scripture and look and things change like I've changed my viewpoint on some things by mm. reading and, and so yeah, look who knows I'll probably go and do more study in this now and be like, "Oh, yeah, maybe they don't yeah. Secret of Gentry says anymore. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's sort, of, sort of gone on a massive tangent away from Luke. Well, 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 since we've gone on a massive tangent, yeah, yeah. one last thing. Yep. Any sort of imagery allusions to David and Goliath with one stone toppling a giant, you reckon? Oh, yeah, 100%. All right, cool. It's meant to be. There you go. Yeah, I feel yeah, smart yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. There you go. I'm that back on board. Is, that I did is it. it. <laughs> um, so I want to kind of finish yeah. off today by um, you had this really pertinent takeaway of mm. essentially whether literal barrenness or metaphorical mm. barrenness for people's lives. Um, there's this hope 
of looking back at what God is done has done um, and moving that forward. I think that's a really sort of yeah encouraging uh, and helpful reminder for a lot of people that we are inheriting a story that's mm. been going on for generations, yep. and we are you know in some ways just the maybe not a full stop but a comma (laughs) in that story you know um which i think is really encouraging um did you sort of have any final thoughts on that Mm. and this idea of what barrenness can look like in a modern setting outside of the obvious ones yeah and so i in some ways seeing barrenness as being what what brings disgrace upon you Hmm. so what do you feel in your life brings you disgrace is it not having a nice job is it not having a wife is it or a partner or Whatever it might be, not having the status that you feel will bring you... What's the opposite of disgrace? Honour. 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 Yeah. yeah. And, and just recognising that perhaps there is a plan in your life. So, so Zachariah and Elizabeth, I don't think that they would have saw themselves as a new Abraham and Sarah. Hmm. Like that's, I think that's what I like about what Coleridge argues that we as a reader can see that, but yeah. like in their day to day, I don't think they would have gone, hey, like, I don't think Zachariah's like, hey, Elizabeth, I actually think that we're like going to be, you're going to be the new Hannah. I mean, you're it's a pretty be the new arrogant Sarah. thing to declare. Yeah. Do you know what like, I mean? Like, I think for her, the they moment. just would have seen themselves as just, we're just yeah. another. Just I'm struggling with life and yeah. plowing through. Yeah. And, and it's only after the events you can look back and go, oh, wow, we actually are part of a feeling mm. scripture. And mm. yeah, seeing that. And so. Yeah. And so I think that's why Zachariah is quite shocked. Well, number one, um, his priestly line, Avijar, is like a weak one. Yeah. She again ties in a real important scriptural theme of like the the weaker, the younger, the less impressive actually being elevated. So here he is, this random priest yeah, in a yeah. pretty like lowly yeah. line, 24 sons of Aaron. He's kind of yeah. one of the, oh, yeah. Yeah. Not like the most impressive. Yeah. Once in a lifetime opportunity, because mm. that was—I don't really know how lots work, but you cast lots, and it was meant to yeah. be a bit random. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. like it's so kind of like rolling a dice in some capacity. Yeah, yeah, and so obviously it's random in inverted commas. Like God chose him. Yeah, not expecting to encounter this. Yeah, and here he is. All he was going to do is walk into behind the into the holy place. Yeah, burn that incense, come out and say, "May Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you. Go home." called back in like you know a few weeks or whatever it be to do yeah. his duty again around the temple and that would have been it instead yeah. he encounters gabriel yeah that's just so shocked and he asks that yeah i guess we can look back and say well you know how could you doubt but we're not really in his shoes oh absolutely and, like, and yeah. it's, it's a similar question to like abraham it's a similar language like how can this be like mm. abraham asked that and it's almost in a, in a roundabout way asking for a sign and the muteness it's interesting it's a way because both Elizabeth hides for five months, which is a bit weird. They're like, there's it no, like, weird. there's no, like, yeah. like you can understand Mary that. hiding, yeah, for five months, but Elizabeth, no. And it seems almost like they want to keep it secret, hmm. like by keeping it mute, by keeping Zachariah mute and Elizabeth hiding. <coughs> God's plans kind of a bit mm. secret till it's revealed. So mm. I, I don't really know what's going on there, mm. but yeah, the point of all that is I don't think either of them would have identified themselves as an Old Testament character. They're not seeing yeah. themselves as a new Sarah, a new Hannah. Yeah. And it's only after the event. And so, yeah. So I think mm. when we're in a difficult situation, we might say, oh, you know, God's going to use mm. a plan for this. And we can kind of know that maybe intellectually. Yeah, we yeah. can verbalise yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not till after the event. You're like, oh, actually, I can see what God... 
yeah. we're doing with that yeah. years later. Yeah. So it's that. Yeah. I think a really encouraging mm. takeaway as well of like, I'm sure it probably had its own connotations in their day and age, but I think that our culture, our society, our era can be really obsessed about age mm. um, and disregard people for being too far on either sides of too young mm. um, or too old. And the thing that I find really inspiring about this story is God's using the people who are probably by that culture's definition is too old, mm. using them profoundly and powerfully yeah. in unexpected ways, uh, and also using young, <laughs> yeah. you know, the younger and the young people, you know, in really mm. profound ways. I think that that can be encouraging for people on both sides of their faith walk mm. really early on and really sort of, you know, might consider yeah. that their their journey the and story is, yeah, yeah, is, is finished. Um, I find that really inspiring yeah. and encouraging. And I think too there's... um. I'm Richard Wombrand, who started Voice of the Martyrs, he came to faith. He, so he had a Jewish background, and he was led to Jesus by a man who prayed, oh, Lord, let me lead a Jew to you. Like he just hmm. wanted to lead one of God's own people. Hmm. That's all that man did his whole life. He led Richard Wombrand as an old man. The only person he led to Jesus in his whole life was Richard Wombrand, but Richard Wombrand went on to serve the persecuted church in a very powerful way until mm. his death. And in a sense, his legacy continues on. So you just don't know. You might have been raised up for one purpose in life. Yeah. And for Zachariah and Elizabeth, that's it. Their, their purpose mm. was there to was to be the parents of John, Yeah. to prepare the way. Yeah. And then humbling, they disappear off screen. Like <laughs> Humbling and encouraging. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, and that's, um, yeah, I ask that question is like, why does Luke begin with John? Because every other God, oh, Mark, Mark does too, but yeah, Matthew. In a different way. Yeah, Ma- yeah. Matthew's birth narrative starts with Jesus. Then we get to John. Yeah. And John's gospel just starts with Jesus being the word. Yeah. Mark is, he kind of starts with Elijah, you know, starts that prophecy. Mm. But yeah, like mm. Luke's made a deliberate choice to begin with John to set the scene for us to mm. prepare that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Well, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing to dive into this, the birth narratives in, in Luke. Um, I believe next Sunday we've got uh, Brian uh, coming out and uh, doing uh, the next part of this narrative, which is the birth of Jesus foretold. Um, obviously, uh, you, you won't be speaking yourself, but what are, what are some sort of elements of this next part that you love and are looking forward to? having um, dived so the, into the contrast between Zachariah's response and Mary's mm. so Mary um, humbly accepts so I have in the small group questions a quote from Tim Keller mm. and like to say I'm you know your servant to basically put a self death sentence like mm. because part of Torah is if you're an adulteress mm, you get stoned to death now there's a bit of debate about whether or not people still did that but mm. If she wasn't risking death, she mm. was risking social mm. like stigma because who's going to believe her? Yeah, mm. sure. Mm. Um, sorry. Oh, no, we're good. Um, yeah, risking that social stigma. Mm. Um, yeah, um, the fact that she just... Uh, Zachariah, the assumption he's a priest, he should just be obedient. He is a lowly mm. woman, girl, teenager mm. really, she's yeah. 13, 14, however yeah. old, just can obey. And so... Yeah. yeah, and then obviously picking up on that Elisha, Elijah imagery here is the we've got the Elijah coming now. He comes Elisha, the younger son in inverted mm. commas, who's mm. going to be more honoured. And the fact that he's called the son of God, 
yeah. hugely powerful because yeah. we've already set the scene. We're in the year, we're in the time where King Herod is ruling, mm. and if you know your history, Herod's just a puppet king for the Roman Empire, mm. and. Yeah, Caesar Augustus, he was the son of God to bring yeah. peace to the world. Yeah. And Caesar is, was God, he was the son of God, yeah. And here is Mary giving birth to the real son of God. So mm. very, very, yeah, helpful and insightful things. And then obviously Mary is a bit like a new Hannah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Song leads to like a Hannah song and mm. songs in the Bible set up the themes mm. for what's to come. So, mm. yeah. Looking forward to yeah. it. Well, Brian, you got a you got a big big project ahead of you. We look forward to hearing from you, but it should be good, I'm sure. Mr. Codrington always delivers. Yes. So we'll uh, yeah catch you guys on uh, Sunday. And thanks for the chat, man. No, right, thank you. See ya. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.